just recognizing that we are different, but we should still stick with one another. Like we shouldn't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't like push each other aside. You know what I mean? So just because I might disagree with what somebody else is doing, it doesn't mean that I'm going to diss them or I'm going to just shun them away. I would rather understand their point of view and then just take that for what it is. Welcome to another episode of Yellow Let's Talk, where we are building a community to help you figure things out. Today is a special day. It's Ramadan season and Ramadan Kareem to every single person who's listening. We have with us no other than Sena and Will Saleh. Welcome, Sena and Will. Woo! So, Sena and Will, or the Saleh family, are content creators who create content to humanize the Muslim community. They're entrepreneurs. They have a brand called Lala Hijabs, and it's tie-dye. It's tie-dye. It's a, it's a tie-dye brand that you guys should all check out. We are very blessed and very thankful to have both of them with us today to talk to you about a very cool topic. So first and foremost, thank you guys for coming mm-hmm. here today. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. We're super glad to be here. Mm-hmm. Likewise, likewise. So I want to just dive right into the first question. Mm-hmm. You guys wanted to talk about unity. Mm-hmm. Why was unity such an important topic for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, It's such an important topic because, firstly, as Muslims, um, we believe in what Allah has revealed in the Quran, and which is one of the verses that I find is very easily overlooked: is hold firmly to the rope of Allah and do not become disunited amongst yourselves. Now, when we understand that um, as as a basic principle, that nothing should create disunity amongst the Muslims, and so not only that, that when you look at the purpose of a Muslim is to guide humanity, to be somewhat as a a guide for people. You can't be creating division and barriers when your job is to bring people in towards, you know, the beauty of what we know as Islam. Um, So that's one of the biggest reasons is that there's so much of it, especially on social media and and what we've gone through in the last, I guess, almost three years now with with social media. Um, You really see the, the disunity of not just the Muslim community, but so many different communities um, and, you know, being able to have a platform to speak about these things and bring, you know, an understanding towards each other is one of the reasons why we do what we do. So with that, you know, what better topic than than that? Mm-hmm. I love that. So for you guys, it was more about observing what's happening around you and your surroundings and seeing that there is a disconnect with people coming together. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned something, Will, and I want to just I want, I want to just see if Sana is also aligned. Is it when you're talking about unity, are you specifically talking about in the context of the Muslim world or is it mostly just in the world itself? I feel like both mm-hmm. uh, because we get our fair share of Muslim haters, but also um, a lot of people that are Islamophobic or maybe just don't understand like what it's like to be Muslim. Mm-hmm. So they leave a lot of hate um, and they there's a lot of disunity there as well. And I just like overall, I just feel like the world could just be so much better in the 21st century. Like I think we're, I think we're past the point of um, racism and Islamophobia and all of these things. Um, And then now with the age of social media, you would think that people now would be educated enough to not be so hateful, you know? Mm. Um, And you see the flip side of it. Like we, we see the side of, uh, because we have such a huge following of Mm non-Muslims that we really see, you know, whether it's Christians or, or Jews or literally any spectrum of, of people, um, there's so much good in the world. There's so much good that comes about from, from you know, 
exposing you know, you're trying to say exposing yourself on social media but <laughs> yeah. you know exposing your life on social media and showing people that you know we may not like unfortunately we, we, we sometimes we confuse uniformity with unity that we all have to be the same in order to be united which is the furthest thing from the truth that we're all different and that's literally the way that god created us in different nations and different tribes so that we would come to know one another right um so we because we see so much of the goodness we find it imperative that we use our platform to be able to promote that on a, on a bigger scale mm -hmm. so i think a lot of it has to do with acceptance um accepting one another's beliefs like you don't have to agree with something what mm -hmm. somebody um, is doing with their life or what they believe in or how they choose to live their life but I think we have to be tolerant and accept that this is this is how they live their life and you know I might not agree with it but that's okay like that's what makes us unique and you don't have to be hateful towards somebody just because you don't agree with what they believe in um, I think that's a huge thing it's uh it's very beautifully said first and foremost and what you both are echoing it's bringing me back to the World Cup when in the opening ceremony, <laughs> yeah. they had a verse from the Quran, which discussed how, you know, God has created us from different nations. And OK, I'm going to paraphrase this. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't, if you know it, please yeah. let me know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, God has created us from different uh, nations and, and nations. different tribes to come together and learn from one another. And I think that's very beautiful to even just remember that we are strong because we are different and we learn from each other because we're different. absolutely and, mm -hmm. and, a, and an example of that that just came to my mind is during the khilafah of abu bakr and umar may allah be pleased with them so abu bakr and umar their personalities were starkly contrasted one was very soft and reserved and, and kind of quiet which is abu bakr and umar was much more of a strong you know very much you know in your face kind of personality so when when the khilafah switched to umar bin khattab he got rid of all of the people that were in the cabinet of Abu Bakr because Abu Bakr had surrounded himself by people with strong personalities because to compensate for his softness. Right? And then Umar bin Khattab realized that that's what he did. So he surrounded himself with people of much more soft kind of personalities. So meaning that they're, they're starkly contrasted and different, but they, they all have their strengths and that we, should, we shouldn't be just relying on, oh, me, my, this, my group, my whatever that there's so much more to be, take benefit from from other people. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's good to lean on other people. Um, and I think uh, that's what's inter interesting about being in the content creator space, especially as a Muslim content creator, is we are very different. Uh, we, not exposed, but like we share our family with the world. And then there's a lot of Muslim content creators that won't show their kids on social media, or maybe they'll cover their face on social media. And we're still friends with them. Um, we're very different that way, right? Like we'll believe in, um, you know, music or not, not, not believe in music, but we'll, we are more accepting of music. And then there's other content creators that are not so accepting of music. And that's fine. Like we're still, it's, it's, it's about understanding that each person and each family has their own beliefs and still like being unified in that way, if you know what I mean. Like we're not going to hate each other because we disagree on something. Um, we're still going to be accepting of one another's beliefs. So I think yeah. there's a misconception from um, the non-Muslim community to think that because you're Muslim, everyone believes the same. But mm -hmm. even within Islam, there's different beliefs and there's yeah. non-practicing Muslims. Sure. There's, you know, there's different interpretations of things and mm -hmm. just learning to accept what someone might believe is a form of uniting together absolutely yeah it is absolutely and and the thing is is if you look at the muslim community no one will disagree that 
eating pork is haram, it's not permissible, right? No one will say that, you know, uh, zina is, is permissible. All of these things that are clear cut in the Quran that are forbidden, all of the Muslims, even if they're not practicing, they all know that this is the way that it is. It comes from the things where you where you see this disunity, whether it be about things mm -hmm. like music or, or whatever, is that they're... It's gray. It's, it, well, it's scholarly interpretations of what they think, which then creates, you know, uh, entire schools of jurisprudence. Within those schools, you have a thousand scholars that have a thousand different interpretations of something. Mm -hmm. But the core basis of what is not allowed in Islam, we all agree upon. So that those are the things that we should be focusing on, that, you know, we... we know that these things are wrong and we know that Allah has ordered us to, to do good and, and, and be good and, and spread goodness and peace and all of that sort mm -hmm. of stuff. So focusing on not the differences of opinion, because if you look at the Quran, you have prophets who differed in opinion. You have Sahaba who vastly differed in their opinion or interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, the scholars of Islam for 1400 years, vastly different interpretations. So there's never going to be one clear cut thing other than what Allah has revealed as being definite. So it's, it's very, once you focus on that and then you realize that yep, there's a few things that are absolutely impermissible, but a principle that I've always found so much value in in Islam is that everything is permissible by default, except what has been explicitly forbidden. And if it hasn't been explicitly forbidden, then it's, it chances are it's going to be open for an interpretation according to some scholars and they will interpret it one way. Some will interpret it differently, right? So mm -hmm. I want to just play the devil's advocate here. So you, when you mentioned right now that there are things that are not permissible and, you know, it's a clear cut. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about unity and we talk about faith in general, some might interpret things that are very clear cut as room for interpretation. What would you say to those people and, and how does that impact unity as a community as a whole mm -hmm. i would say that we can't disassociate ourselves with the scholars who have preserved our religion for 1400 years so when we look to the scholars of the past and we look to the sahaba the consensus you know you have the the quran is our first and foremost form of um understanding mm -hmm. and then you have the sunnah which is the way of the prophet peace be upon him then you have the ijma the consensus of the companions and, and the early generation and then you have qiyas which is reasoning um, and then you have in the maliki madhab which is the, the school that i choose to follow you have the amal of ahlul madina which was the practice of the people so when you look at that you will see that a person nowadays and, and you do see that we literally had this what you just mentioned happened yesterday where we um, did a video about uh, I think it was the shaving the head or the that no it's about the adhan so we did a video like because we have a newborn right now so we posted a video yesterday of Will um, reciting the adhan in our baby's ear at the hospital when he was literally like four hours old and it's a practice like most Muslims know what that is, right? Like millions of Muslims practice this when they have newborns, um, and someone had commented saying this is not from the religion, like yeah. it's just it's not part of it. So then I had to, I, I, they had a bit of a back and forth and they said, oh, well, you know, people, you know, have different sunnahs. You don't follow this sunnah or you do this. And so I said, well, what you're referring to is something that is a sunnah versus an, an, an ijtihadi difference of opinion in fiqh, which is, mm -hmm. they're not the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. So when we look to the understanding, the overall, the Quran, the sunnah, the consensus, um, it's very clear what is permissible what isn't permissible uh, there is definitely some gray area 
you know, and, and but your gray area may be different than mine. Right. Like, for example, music is a very controversial issue in Islam. And most people that I've found and I have studied this issue extensively with scholars, the most people have no idea evidences on either side. They just heard from their scholar or their parents that it's haram and that's it. And if that's the way they choose to go, bismillah, no problem. Right. But when you really study it and you understand in depth about it, that for me, it's not a gray area because I understand more than kind of the average person in that particular uh, mm -hmm, issue. Mm -hmm. Whereas someone who might be on the flip side or maybe in the middle, they say, but it's on both sides. So it's gray. So the prophet said, stay away from it. So it is very subjective that you may understand something far better than me. And it may be a gray area to me. Therefore, I know I shouldn't do it. But it doesn't mean that I should tell you you shouldn't do it because you may understand it far better than mm -hmm. me. And I think that's the big difference is people just forget that it's okay. Again, like you don't have to agree with what I believe, but mm -hmm. as long as you're respectful, it's the people that um, choose to be really loud about it and want to tell you that you're wrong. Like that's where like we kind of draw the line a little bit is like, don't tell me I'm wrong. Like you live your life and I'll live mine. Like we, we're accountable for our own deeds. Like you don't have to tell me how to live my life. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. um, I, think, I think that's where a lot of the disunity comes from is people just completely forget that we are allowed to live our own life and you don't have to police me. <laughs> like, like, yes, the Haram Police Department. The Haram Police. Yeah. So we talk, we're talking a lot about unity. I yeah. think it's very important to define unity. Mm -hmm. What does unity mean to both of you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so to me, I feel like unity is um, acceptance and also tolerance and also um, just recognizing that we are different, but we should still stick with one another like we shouldn't we shouldn't we shouldn't like push each other aside you know what i mean so just because i might disagree with what somebody else is doing it doesn't mean that i'm going to diss them or i'm going to just shun them away i would rather understand their point of view and then just take that for what it is and that's to me that's unity it's just agreeing to disagree mm -hmm. you know yeah, so definitely i mean that's very well said um to me unity is not uniformity um therefore it doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter how long your beard is or isn't. It doesn't matter any of these issues. Um, Allah has mm -hmm. created us differently and in a huge spectrum of differences, right? Some people will say your beard has to be this big. Well, some people can't even grow a beard, right? <laughs> and, and some of the giant scholars in That's Egypt, it. they barely have anything on their face, right? Mm -hmm. So it all literally depends on the fact that you have to humble yourself. I mm -hmm. think that you have to be you have to bring humility into your life mm -hmm. and when we talk about unity if i have an ego i can never unite with people until i firstly put that away mm -hmm. and i realize that look what is our purpose in life um, is it to be someone who's out policing everyone because i know people will say well we have to forbid evil and we have to enjoin what is good but if you don't understand the difference because what you say is evil it may not be to to another person. It may not be like with evidence, uh, factual evidences mm -hmm. that it's because you don't understand. So when you swallow your pride um, and you see that uh, we're all sinners on planet Earth, nobody is perfect. Mm -hmm. We all make mistakes. But the beauty of Islam is that Allah is there to forgive your mistakes. And it's not up to us to, to judge people. Um, I know we again, we see this a lot that they people will use the narration of Umar bin Khattab that we judge according to the dahir, what is apparent, right? And they use it for everything, right? But 
when he said this, it was in, it was in, uh, in reference to judicial matters, mm-hmm. not just, oh, you know, he's doing this and she's doing this. And it, it's very specific. Yeah. We lose context. So in order to bring unity, you have to be humble. You have to realize, first and foremost, as we're supposed to, I am the worst person. Um, I'm the one who needs to make the most effort on, on rectifying my own self. Mm-hmm. Everyone is better than me. Therefore, how could I look down upon anyone? So it sounds to me like it starts really from within. Like, how do I improve myself Absolutely. and lead with example mm-hmm. and let that person worry about themselves? Mm-hmm. Right? We, we live in a world where access to information is literally seconds away. Yep. It's not our duty to police anybody. Correct. Mm-hmm. And just on that note, what are your thoughts on haram police? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We've had our fair share of, of haram police. Yeah, had people that that's their title. Their tag is haram police. Literally. On user, their username yeah. is actually like haram police. Um, I think it's just I think it's really funny because um, they feel like it's their job, like it's their lifetime job to come on to different creators pages and tell them how to live their life and also tell them they're wrong um, without without having knowledge, without having being educated about the topic or whatever it may be. So um, just to throw this out there, there's there's been like several um, Muslim content creators that maybe wore hijab and then stopped wearing hijab. And that's part of their journey. Like we're not we can't judge. Right. Um, But Haram police like to take that and just like spread that information everywhere and just like smear them online. And I think that's so harmful. Um, I think people forget behind a screen. I feel like people are so tough behind a screen because they are not being accountable. They don't have to show who their what their real name is. They don't have to show their face and they feel like they can say anything or do anything. And they forget that those deeds of backbiting or slandering are still being written on their part. and also blasting someone on social media and and that type of thing, they forget that that's a real person on the other end. Mm-hmm. Like the mental health matters. Um, they they completely just negate the fact that this is a real human being, um, and and they just throw their thoughts out there like without thinking. So I just think they need to take a step back and remind themselves that they're not responsible for somebody else's actions mm-hmm. and. Nobody asked them for their opinion. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And what I think a lot of people forget is that, like using your example, if someone decides to maybe, you know, change what they, maybe remove the hijab mm-hmm. or wear something that might not align with what someone else believes, they're really only harming themselves or, Correct. you know, allegedly or arguably harming yeah. themselves. Yeah. Whereas when someone comments on someone else, they're harming, they're harming another person, mm-hmm. right? You're putting someone down. You're spreading negativity into the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. There's yeah. a lot what of are them. your thoughts on Haram police, Will? I think... <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot to say yeah, about them. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's almost kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because we should recognize things that are wrong, right? We, should, we shouldn't be people who see things that are very detrimental and we do nothing about it. We say nothing about it. But on the flip side to that is when you do it without knowledge and understanding, that's the biggest problem. You, I will put my hand on the Quran and tell you, you will never see an Islamically educated individual joining up with people like this because they understand so much more. And, and they understand, mm-hmm. um, you know, even myself, I'm not a student of knowledge. I'm not anywhere near that, you know, but I, I associate myself with scholars um, that are free of dogmatism and, and, and that mentality. And when you really look into things, you will find 
differences of opinion for almost anything, right? I won't talk about it, but you know, and and from from the earliest generation, the giant yeah. scholars of Islam, they had such hugely difference differences of opinion. Um, you know, uh, Imam Shafi'i in his Kitab al-Um, and he's referencing the the Maliki school of jurisprudence, and he he brings some things that I don't want to. I don't know how old the audience is here, so I don't want to talk about that. But um, in which most people would be like, it's totally haram, absolutely, without a doubt. And he's and he says that that these people, we don't say that they're wrong because they're scholars. They 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 issue fatwa in favor of mm -hmm. these things and they practice it themselves. He's like, because if now we go and say it's haram, what you're doing is wrong. He said that they're going to come right back to us and tell us that what we're doing is haram because this this you know X Y Z, right? So. For a, a, a layman sitting on a computer in their mom's basement, <laughs> trying to be a, a, a sheikh of Islam and, and fix the world, you're yeah. really only pushing people away. You know what I mean? Which is. And the funny thing is, mm -hmm. is these people, um, we like to call them like YouTube muftis or like Google sheikh, Google sheikhs, because 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 they'll see a video that. of ours and. Um, they'll just Google like, is this allowed or is this how you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like that's where you're getting your information from is like Google. Like it does, it, obviously it's not going to encompass every single opinion out there. Um, but I just think it's, I just think it's really funny because they'll copy paste like a link and, and they're like, this is why you, what you're doing is wrong. I've seen, <laughs> and it's I've like, seen, thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> a, a friend of mine, a great scholar, um, someone who, you know, didn't become righteous in their twenties and decided to become a scholar. Like he was his father was a great scholar and he was bred from the time he was a baby to do nothing else. Um, and I've seen people argue with him and copy paste a fatwa. And he and he, he they're copy pasting the Arabic side of the fatwa. And he says to them, he says, you don't even know Arabic. You're copy pasting. If you read <laughs> it, Google. you would understand that this fatwa agrees with what I'm saying, not with <laughs> what you're saying. Right? So this is the arrogance Very that, you know, and that mentality. So there's a couple of things. One, well, you mentioned it's a double edged story. Yeah. But then all the reasoning behind does not sound like it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> it sounds like yeah. well, it sounds like it's very harmful. Yeah, so it, it's it, it's sharper on one side. <laughs> so, but but on the, again, on the flip side is that we need people need to understand that we as Muslims, not only do we are, are we responsible for our own actions, we're responsible for what we're putting out into the world. Right. And if that is harmful, because you do see, you know, uh, Muslim content creators out there or people in general, right, that are saying things that are so against Islam uh, and they're promoting it as truth. OK, right? so in the context you're talking about is if someone is advocating or educating people about a religion, mm -hmm. that's where maybe dialogue will come into play. Yeah, it, it's. It's again. It's a it's a dull side on the on the one side. I, I think it's more so on on the flip side that that you know you need to be educated, uh, and if you're educated, you will by naturally you will pull yourself back and and be more reserved in in what's going on. Um, but you know because there are certain uh, creators, friends of ours now, who that's all they do. They just they'll you know splice a video and say this is wrong because blah, A B C D E and G. Uh, EFG, uh, <laughs> but but even then when I watch them I'm like yeah but or, or they'll reach out to us and I'm like yeah but A B C and D so we we need to make sure that what we're saying is is factual and and again it's not so much about the evidences but more so how you portray it. Right? So for you for example it's more like if someone is talking about 
let's say music yeah. and providing the reasoning. This yeah. is the part where maybe you want to comment, you want to, would, but would you call that haram police or would you call that like creating dialogue? Because like what I'm thinking when I think of haram police yeah. is let's say uh, a woman is painting her nails and people are saying like, this is haram or yeah. like, you know, it's and it's usually and unfortunately it's always targeted towards uh, females or women, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so that's what I think when I think of haram police. Do you, is there ever a situation in your opinion, both of yours, uh, that haram police in that context is justified? No. no, no. I think, firstly, if you are someone who wants to educate someone, um, do it in a proper Privately. manner. Reach out to them and say, "Hey," and, and we've had this many times, mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. we've even taken videos down, not because that they were wrong, but because of the genuine sincerity of of people and friends of ours that have said, "Look, it's not that it's wrong; it's that the people aren't ready for it." And, yeah. and if you if you let it go, it could create a bigger problem for you. So, like my advice mm -hmm. would be. To just kind of put just, it down. Just because there are times where we'll post something and it's people in the comments, not with us, but with each other. They're just arguing mm. and slandering. And it's like, why would we want to not entice it, but like allow that to happen on our page? Yeah. You know, like I would rather yeah. that they just take that offline and just like, do, like it doesn't have to be public. Like if a, if, if a woman is painting her nails and people are coming at her for painting her nails, the best way to do that is privately message her. If you genuinely cared and you genuinely want to give advice, don't embarrass her. Like, don't don't make that's, it so. That's what it is. I think. With yeah, the, with don't the make it so. It's more about proving your point and exactly. just embarrassing people mm -hmm. and hurting people. Mm -hmm. Which that, that's your intention. If you're if yeah. you're publicly slandering someone in their comment section, you're doing it to hurt their feelings. You're not doing it because you genuinely like want to give sincere advice. Because if you wanted to give sincere advice, you would privately DM them and say, "Hey, like." I don't think this is allowed or um, can you tell me why you're doing this? But no, it's just, you're misleading people. You're doing this, you're doing that. Why Deviant. don't you care? Yeah, Deviant. yeah. the name calling is just, it's insane. There's there's certain words that we've blocked on our socials because those names come up all the time. And oh, it's just, it's it's too much. Would you so. mind sharing some of those words? Like if you don't mind? Uh, one the one of that them, starts with a D. Well, yeah. So... <laughs> I want to go there. That's a common um, one. So people will say, like, they'll call me a day youth, right? Which, you know, again, if you have no idea what you're talking about, it's just a very slanderous accusation about a man. Basically, that, uh, that this person, this man, um, would approve of and allow his wife to be a prostitute. And he's okay with it perfectly, yeah. right? So they use that. And they say, oh, but that's what, because you're on social media, it's the same thing. Because your wife is on social media. I'm like, wait a second here. Right? Because I show my face on social media. Literally, they're leaving that comment yeah. everywhere. And it's like, do you even know what that means? No. You, they don't know what it means. They, they just see it being thrown around everywhere. Like, and it's so disrespectful. It's so Absolutely. disrespectful. Yeah. It's and disgusting. It's not okay. No. no, no. And I know, and you know, obviously there's there's the, the swear words. We block all those. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just so sad that you would have to even do that. And you know what I yeah. find like very interesting right now is that your mission is to humanize the Muslim community. You're putting yourselves out yep. there. Mm -hmm. You're creating that representation, changing the narrative. And then the you find a lot of love from outside the community. Yeah. But then within the community, there's like these battles. So much tension. And there's so much tension because yeah. some people might not align. And that's, I guess, goes back to the unity mm -hmm. and not not building that sense of community amongst mm -hmm. all of us you know on social media you don't see couples like us like families like us husband and wife like us where we are 
we are showing our life, you know, we, we have our, we do our family, you know, content and, and education and, and this sort of stuff. Um, but we also speak about the religion mm-hmm. because everybody else that I've noticed that are a couple or a family, it's one or the other. They will either speak about the religion and nothing to do with regular culture, life in general, or they won't speak about the religion at all. Because they know that as soon as they do, then the HPD moves in and they're going to critique everything about everything that you're doing. Whereas it's like one side, if you leave the religion, everybody's okay with it. Uh, Or if you only speak about the religion, everybody's okay with it. But if you try to combine the two, which I find like people don't do enough of, and that's why we do what we do is because like our YouTube um, is mostly like redneck, like very white racist like the comments like the negative comments are from that you know islamophobic type type background um whereas you know tiktok is much more of a a mix but mostly it would be different muslims of different denominations or or different opinions or whatever will kind of come Mm -hmm. come at us and it's like you know we need more people that are are willing to say look muslims are just like everybody else literally because we pray five times a day big deal you know what i mean like we're it's big we yeah, yeah exactly we can still sit and, and break bread with anybody because if you look at the prophet muhammad peace be upon him that's what he did it wasn't about pushing people away it was about making islam easy for people and and showing them the beauty of it absolutely, absolutely. and that's you know i asked uh, i asked my friend i said you know someone uh, i said someone who spent their whole life learning the deen i said to you what is the purpose of life and he said two things. He said, one, recognizing your creator and obeying his instructions, right? And number two, servitude to humanity. That's it. That's the purpose of your life. And I thought, wow, like mm-hmm. you don't hear that <laughs> nearly enough. Not, not servitude to the Muslims, to everyone. Yeah. And but we fall short as, a, as a, honestly, as a, as a community. And because there's a lot of culture involved, right? So it's not even because even if uh, like I can speak on the Middle Eastern community, yeah. Christian Arabs and Muslim Arabs will have the same exact taboos, the same exact cultural norms. Yeah. And it's and the same exact toxic stuff that, you know, strips away from religion and just about interesting about culture. Right. Yeah. That's, so that's so funny. And, and I just I watched a, a good documentary about the Middle East um, just a couple of days ago, actually. And it, and it's so interesting, you know, when we look at what has happened to us as as a, as a Muslim just Muslims in general around the world. Yeah. And you see the destruction that has come. Like your Palestinian heritage, yeah. right? When you look at what has happened in Palestine, when you look at, at, at Iraq and Libya and Syria and all of these places, that if the Muslims were really united on faith, these issues wouldn't have happened. These, these, these genocides wouldn't happen. These war crimes wouldn't happen because everybody turns a blind eye. But you know what's, what's interesting? I always find that as a Muslim community, people are more accepting of non-Muslims and other religions. But when it comes to within the Muslim community, it's sometimes easier for a lot of Muslims to be like, I'm a non-practicing Muslim, just to avoid yep. any of this, uh, these, yep. l- the haram police, the judgment. Isn't that sad? It, it is very sad. <laughs> it be- isn't because be- you're bullied. Like- and, and religion and faith is supposed to be between you and your creator. Yep. And however you interpret that faith, at least in my opinion, should be between you and well, it's, the person you're, or the creator you're worshiping. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it prospectively, you look at 
Catholicism, right? They have one guy on top, the Pope, and he's the you know almost like the embodiment of God on earth. What he says is is mm-hmm. rule. We know we don't have that. We've never had that, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason why you know a, a particular issue that is unclear. You may have a, a hundred different variations of of permissibility like music right absolutely haram uh, certain instruments are halal um, all instruments are halal right there's there's such a spectrum of opinions um, but to me it really shows that whose opinion do i have to follow because at the end of the day they're not responsible for me on the day of judgment it's me and what i have to do is at least educate myself enough that i can i can look at things and and understand that okay, this is wrong. I shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Or this is this is it's a gray area. Or I understand it. Or I want to research it further. Um, but like you said, right? That that the reason we pray, and the reason that we have no top religious authority, is because Islam is from your heart directly connected to Allah. And when you when you look at that and you realize that, you know, and you and you you try to understand the stories of the past and 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 these people and how they dealt with things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right like when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he was he was walking on the outskirts of, of town and he was sending muad bin jabal to yemen as a governor and he said you know oh muad he said make the deen easy for people don't overburden them and it's such a beautiful advice like don't make it hard for people why why would you go against the words mm-hmm. of the prophet peace be upon him or when they came to medina uh, when they made the hijrah and the, the companion said, they're like, we, we're new here. We're like the minority. We don't really know what to do. What should we do? Oh, ya Rasulullah. Uh, and he said to them, go and make salah. Like, go and spread peace. Feed the people what you can. Like, and these are non-Muslims he's referring to, right? Show them the beauty of, of, of our character as Muslims. And, and you're so right because we, on social media, we've been attacked by every group you could imagine for things that we've said that, Maybe our belief, again, you don't have to accept our belief, but we, firstly, will never say anything to insult another group of people. We just, you know, whatever it might be, this is the, the view that we have. You have your view. And, you know, lakum dinukum that to you is your way of life, to us is ours, and let's coexist. And But a lot of people can't take that. They see it as an insult, that if you don't accept what I'm doing, then you're, you're a bad guy. Well, do you know what I appreciate about the whole conversation? Every time I ask you a question, you bring references. You bring references from mm-hmm. hadith, from the Quran, mm-hmm. and you're very well versed and educated. I appreciate it. And I'm not. Well, <laughs> fake it till you make it. At least uh, you give that impression. Mm-hmm. And uh, what a lot of people might not know is that you converted to Islam. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit more what inspired you to convert? What inspired me to convert to Islam? I think. Oddly enough, it's, it's the unity of Muslims was one of the biggest things because I grew up, um, I moved around a lot as a kid. Yeah. Not a tremendous amount, but I did. And so I never really had or have to this day like friends that I grew up with. And I always wanted that. Like, you know, your friends from high school or from kindergarten and you guys are just best buddies your, your, your whole life, right? Um, so I, I obviously had friends wherever I would go, but not like that connection, right? And when I saw Muslims pray for the first time, and I saw this diversity that that existed there, where you have, you know, the the black African, the the Middle Eastern, the me as a, as a as a white person sitting on the sidelines watching this happen, the you know the Pakistanis and and all praying together, and 
you see that unity and you see it reflected in the Hajj yeah. where people of all backgrounds, all nations, everybody comes together for the worshiping of, of the one God. Uh, to me, someone who's not religious, didn't grow up religious, it really shows what I think, you know, and, and I always thought that if, if, if God existed, what would he want from us? Well, he wouldn't want, uh, it's like when you have kids, right? You, you don't want your kids to hate each other, mm -hmm. to fight, mm -hmm. to, to create problems. You would want everybody to be in harmony and peace. And, and when I saw the Muslims pray for the first time, I call, they called the Adhan, uh, brought tears to my eyes. And, and it was just one of those surreal moments where, and I said to them, like, I, I was like, I don't understand, but I believe. I, I believe that, that whatever the essence of this is, it is the truth. So it was then, like an aha moment. You heard the adhan, you saw literally, people uniting. It You're was like, like this was their uh, calling. <laughs> I love like, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and they said, well, do you have any questions? And I said, I have a million questions, but I don't want that to detract me from becoming a Muslim. You know, so that night I gave my shahada in front of like 30 people who were, it was like one living room. And there was, I'm not kidding. There was 30 people sitting there in a circle and they're all staring at me. And then I'm like trying to do my shahada and I'm butchering it terribly. And, you know, my father, my future father-in-law is sitting there. My future brother-in-laws are sitting there. Uh, and it was a very interesting experience to say the least. But That's amazing. How was it like, like after you said the shahada, how did the people respond? Walk us through that. Yeah, it was that moment. It's almost like if you think like winning the big game, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you've just won and, and everybody's like high fives and hugs and everybody's so happy and, and, um, it was a really amazing experience. Awesome. So Senna's now back and we have a new guest with us today. Little Yusuf. Little Yusuf. Yusuf, I want to say introduce yourself, but please do not. <laughs> just a month got... <laughs> old. And that's about all he can do right now is just sleep. So. Oh, he's so cute. So <laughs> you just had this baby four weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. How yep. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Man. <laughs> yeah. How was it like uh, having a new baby around? It's interesting. It's been five years since we had a newborn. Yeah. So the whole not sleeping part is definitely yeah. a waking up every two hours one hour sometimes definitely exhausting but yeah, totally but it's, worth it it's worth yeah. it yeah well you guys both look very relaxed and Thank you. like it looks like you've had plenty of sleep so if you haven't <laughs> caffeine does the trick uh, <laughs> caffeine's the best yeah yep. but this actually now is a perfect transition uh, to the last segment and i wanted to ask you about family and ramadan mm -hmm. so for you having three children now what is something you want to teach your children for Ramadan this month? Mm -hmm. There's so many different things. Like our kids growing up um, in a Pakistani household, very cultured, like Ramadan came around and it was just about being hungry. Like that's pretty much growing all it was. You. Growing up for me. Sorry. Kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to say that. So like it was just about being hungry. There was no like deep talks about charity or doing good work or good deeds or anything like that. So for us, we have now mashallah three kids um and for us we try to make ramadan as special as possible so we start off you know decorating the house and making it feel really special and teaching our kids about good deeds and um like this year we would love to get involved in actually like hands-on activities because the last few years it was covid and there was nothing really to do so maybe going and you know distributing food downtown or doing something like along those lines i think our kids would absolutely love Love doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, for myself, not having any Islam growing up, but having the 
Western capitalistic holiday of Christmas. Um, not an insult to the Christian, just saying that that's what we celebrated. It was just the, the cultural norm. Um, but you you really, you felt something on Christmas. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and, and and like she said, like back from, from where we're from, leading up to Eid uh, or during Ramadan, it's just you don't have that same feeling. And for for us, we really want to make it special for our kids because our kids are we're, we're growing up here in, in Toronto, um, and they definitely have more of a cultural influence of things like Christmas and these and these holidays. So they need to feel connection. They need to feel that this is something amazing. Mm. It's something special. It's a it's a tradition that we've been doing for fourteen hundred years. So a lot of the education part, like why we do it, what is the purpose of it, right? You know, and and teaching them about sacrifice, teaching them about you know, about giving, right? That, that mm-hmm. is such a huge part of, you know, life as a Muslim is giving as much as you can. Um, so definitely would be to to teach them and and have them be as amped up for like Eid mm-hmm. as as we used to be for Christmas, mm-hmm. that, that it's something so special. And I think we've, we've been able to do a really good job of that, um, especially during COVID because we homeschool the kids and, and we work from home. So we've been able to kind of, curate a lot of time and and uh, you know especially like decorating it's a big thing for them right they just love it and there's you know all the Eid decorations and Ramadan decorations and it's just about connecting them uh, and, and making it important for them when they're little so that when they grow up they'll obviously start to understand more and, and make it more special I love that so a lot of it is about creating memories with your children mm-hmm. at the same time I really liked what you said Sana about like growing up it was always about just being hungry and that's just you know fasting versus like what are you actually doing and one of the reasons why a lot of muslims fast is so they can at least feel empathy with with the people who are less fortunate so i think that's beautiful that you're going around providing people with food Mm -hmm. is that what you're you guys are planning to do or you're you're doing that now that's that's what we're planning on doing we are we're involved with a charity that we fundraise for um, quite often, and this Ramadan, we're we're fundraising for orphans. But um, recently, in the last few yeah. weeks, I've been discussing with one of the uh, one of the organizers there who does like local food distribution here in the Toronto area, soup kitchens and soup kitchens, and just just distributing like little food packs to people, like homeless people. And we wanted to join, but of course, this little guy, we were expecting him to come, so we weren't able to. So I think now. With Ramadan coming around the corner, we definitely want to like go and like hands on be involved and just show our kids like um, the bigger purpose of not just being Muslim, but being human mm-hmm. um, and just giving just whatever we can, whether that's just our hands, you know, yeah. just being involved in in distributing. So I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, because it's all about giving back. That's Absolutely. what mm-hmm. uh, what Ramadan is all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now this transitions to the, my next question is when it comes to us now living in Canada, there's a lot of non-Muslims that will observe and see Ramadan. What misconception do you think that non-Muslims have about Ramadan? <laughs> I think that, and I think maybe maybe a lot of Muslims have this as well, that we don't truly understand why we fast. I think non-Muslims look at it because they're always like, well, not even water. Like mm. It's just to be about being hungry. It's just about fasting. You know, especially with like the fad of intermittent fasting and, and, and athletics and whatnot and health and wellness um, that, you know, like Allah puts it so beautifully in the Quran where he says that, oh, you who believe that fasting has been prescribed to you as it was to the people before you so that you may attain piety. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, it's not just 
about being hungry. It's it's literally encompasses everything. That righteousness that we're looking for, it is in the service to other people. The recognizing that there are a lot of people who are far worse off than us, um, and and empathizing with those people, putting yourself in their shoes. You know, educating um, one and all. Right? Yeah. There's there's many benefits to fasting. We know that. But at the end of the day, that's really not what it's about. It's mm-hmm. about humbling yourself mm-hmm. and, and helping and understanding, you know, bringing awareness to, to the world around us. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, another big thing about Ramadan is just recentering yourself and just mm-hmm. reminding mm-hmm. yourself um, to, to put good habits in place so that you can implement those good habits for the rest of the year. And for a lot of people like Ramadan, it just really like humbles, humbles you, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it makes you remember Allah and reminds you to do those extra good deeds to recite Quran when we might not do it for the rest of the year or, you know, pray the Hajjah or just all those like little things that you put extra effort into in Ramadan because, you know, there's extra reward in it. And hopefully you'll carry those good deeds on for the rest of the year. And it's just all about reminding yourself about so. building a habit yeah. and using the month to build mm-hmm. habits to set you for mm-hmm. success for the following year. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And just in terms of any tips and advice for people who are non-practicing or non-Muslims who are observing people who are practicing, how can they better accommodate people who are in the month of Ramadan? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. That's a good one for you because you grew up without it. So, so I think that it's it's one of the it's a it's kind of a difficult thing right because fasting is something that's so personal like i don't know if you're fasting like unless i specifically watch you eat or drink something mm-hmm. i don't know um and if if in terms of like a non-muslim who knows people are fasting um it's it's one of those things where i don't i know there are people who like to say well you shouldn't eat in front of someone who's fasting if like for example a, a woman is on her her period she's eating you shouldn't do that in front of someone else who's fasting um for me i look at it as like it's just more of a test it's just that that person's eating yeah but i'm not so it's not i'm not gonna let that bother me right so in terms of fasting i think that if we just understand that you know that especially maybe if, if the the job is a physical one mm-hmm. that's probably the biggest thing if you're working outside in the heat or, or or it's a physical job that maybe be a little bit more compassionate with that person that they're not eating and drinking yeah. like everybody else i know mm-hmm. that i've done some jobs in the past where mm-hmm. like a granite installer in the middle of summer and, mm-hmm. and uh and you really you really start to, to mm-hmm. feel that um but at the end of the day you know mm-hmm. people who are, who are who are not practicing understand like the like like just like sana said um the value of what you're missing out on mm-hmm. that there's so much benefit so mm-hmm. much reward in these simple acts of fasting of giving your charity and, and praying and all these sort of things that that you know, even if, for example, you don't practice Islam 11 months out of the year, this is the one month you should do something. Do something little by little to the point where it starts to be beneficial to you. That be, would be my advice. I love a lot with, uh, what you just said right now. It's like, you know what? Try to just show some more compassion. You don't have to necessarily modify any of your behavior. But I think everyone wins when they're more empathetic Absolutely. to one another. Uh, so thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. And no just on that oh. note, I want to thank both of you again for coming today. Mm-hmm. You came oh. all the way, you know, from like the suburbs. So yeah. thank you once again for no <laughs> for coming. No uh, I just want to leave the the last message for the both of you to tell you know our community where they can find you, and mm-hmm. 
And if do you have any other last messages? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely have a last message. Do you want to do the socials? Yeah. Part? So you guys can follow us on TikTok. You'll find us under Sally Family, S-A-L-E-H Family. Um, you'll find us on YouTube with Sally Family. And you'll find us on Instagram, Sally Family Official, as well as my Instagram, Sana Sale Official. And wow. definitely check out our business as well, lalahijabs.com. And yeah, we're, we're really excited to be here. So it's almost like she had that scripted and ready to go. It's amazing. <laughs> Said it once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I would say this is this is more for the Muslims in terms of unity. I know that we've been kind of talking a lot about unity. And there's one thing that has really stuck with me um, so strongly. And that is that. So there's a, a, a giant scholar by the name of Sufyan ibn Uraina. Uh, he was a teacher of Imam Shafi'i, a teacher of Imam Ahmed. Uh, he was a Sheikh al-Islam. And and his statement, it blew my mind. And he said that hadith are a source of misguidance for the Muslims, except for the fuqaha, except for those learned people who truly understand the context and everything that's being said within these. Because today, the biggest form of disunity is weaponizing hadith against each other because there's such a vast catalog that you can choose from. So when you understand that, that take a step back, leave, leave these issues for the scholars who understand them. Focus on building unity and bridges. If you hate me, uh, then educate me. That's how it should be. That if you if you hate what I do, educate me, teach me, so mm-hmm. that I can understand. Um, don't be repulsive to people. Don't push them away. Make it easy for them. And and the only way you're going to to get through to someone, right? Like I said, if I come up to you and I say, uh, and I create an argument because you're doing something, you're never going to change. You're just going to put your, put your heels on the ground, double down, and say, I'm not going to listen to you. Right. Whereas if I come to you and I say, brother, look, this, this, this and, and I do it out of love and compassion, there's a good chance that even if you don't change in that moment, it'll stay with you mm-hmm. and that you might down the road understand that I, I, maybe I was right. Right. So it would be definitely that advice of, of Sufyan ibn Raina, uh, rahimahullah, that, you know, leave that for the people who are qualified. We don't open up the medical textbooks when we have any type of mm-hmm. illness, although Google is there. Some people use it more than others in terms of uh, Especially diagnosis. Especially when you're pregnant, all you do is Google <laughs> stuff, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. but so, so leave it to those people who are qualified and just focus on uniting and being kind and, 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 and showing the true character uh, of Muslims to the world. I love that. And I think that just sums up the whole entire conversation so eloquently and beautifully. Absolutely. It's really, a, it is about coming together and accepting that people have different beliefs, even within within the same faith. For sure. Right? And uh, I really appreciated this whole entire conversation. I think you guys are doing something really special. Thank you. Both as content creators, as Thank well you. as creating representation, you know, within within the community. And as, as you said, Will, like humanizing Absolutely. Muslims for the world. So mm-hmm. thank you very much thank for you. coming today. Thank you so much for having us and thank you. Uh, accommodating our family because they're all here. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> yeah. Amazing. So thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Yellow Let's Talk. You can find us on YouTube, on Spotify, on Ngami, on Apple Podcasts. Check us out. Thank you. Yellow bye.